and welcome to episode 48 of Owen the Saints, your podcast dedicated to everything Southampton Football Club. I'm Patrick Serlis. With me this afternoon, we have Jack Serlis. Jack, how are you doing? Good, thanks, Pat. It's a um, good thing we're doing this podcast the day after that result against Villa, isn't it? We've got a bit of time to call off after those shocking decisions. Time to decompress. Well, I was going to say, actually, we're more than 24 hours removed from the game. A 1-0 home defeat to Aston Villa on Saturday night. I'm not sure whether that's actually helped any of us come to terms on what was a madly <laughs> frustrating match on the wrong end of three extremely marginal VAR decisions. We'll come to each one. In the end, condemning us to a third consecutive defeat, this one due to Ross Barkley's first half header. It was another game without a goal. That's just three goals now in eight games for Saints. And we've gone more than 10 hours without a goal from open play. The bad news, unfortunately, doesn't end there. Our lengthy injury list worsening with Oriol, Romeo, Ibrahima, Diallo and Theo Walcott all limping off at St Mary's. After the game, Ralph said Diallo and Walcott may be more serious than Oriol, but it's too early to say. Um, Romeo had actually just returned from his absence, but with so many first-teamers currently sidelined, including key defenders Yannick Vestergaard and Kyle Walker-Peters, it is far from ideal with Manchester United up next at Old Trafford on Tuesday night. Before we get to talking about that, though, let's discuss, let's discuss Saturday. And there's really only one place to start. To borrow a phrase from Edwin Starr, VAR, what is it good for? <laughs> Inco- incompetent doesn't do it justice. Lee Mason in the middle, Mike Dean with his wonky ruler back at Stockley Park. The first of the three incidents occurred early in the first half. As Ralph said, Matty Cash practically sta- saving Stuart Armstrong's shot. Looked and nailed on penalty to, I think, most of the football universe. But the one person that mattered, Mike Dean, gave a, I think it was an indirect free kick to Aston Villa for some reason. Not 100% sure sure why. Jack, your thoughts, please, on the overall VAR experience and that decision in particular to start with. I mean, that Matty Cash one was an absolute disgrace. It (laughs) genuinely was a disgrace. He's, as you said, he saved the ball. You can have two goalkeepers now apparently in the Premier League didn't realise that but I understand the rule that's been brought in that if the ball comes off a part of your body and flicks up onto your arm they want to stop that being handball. Both of us have played football and you know that's not intentional. You've got a bad first touch but sometimes it flicks off your foot. <laughs> you don't you don't want that to be given a penalty. I understand that but when the touch is so minuscule that it takes about 45 views to maybe see that it flicked off his thigh. There's no there's no one angle that you could say, that was it, there you go, it touched it. Jamie Carragher was watching it time and time again and he was like, can't see it, maybe it's this one, maybe it's this one. You have to assume that it's gone straight onto his arm and it's a, it's a penalty. Without mm-hmm. doubt, it's a penalty. And for Mike Dean to sit there and say, no, it's flicked off his thigh... And that's the reason why I'm not given a penalty because that is the deflection is a disgrace because everyone saw, like you said, the whole football universe. I had people texting mm-hmm. me that love seeing Southampton do do bad because do you know what I mean? To but, wind um, you up. To wind me up, exactly. And they're saying we've been <laughs> we've been done over. So yeah, that one was not a great start. That was the first ten minutes and just an awful start to the game, wasn't it? It really was. It's like it's like I understand like when there's VAR decision, it's, it seems like that was so obvious. But like Mike Dean's sitting there and he's like, is there any reason why I can't give this? Exactly. Like, is there an offside? I'm not saying that he is like any big conspiracy, but I think like the referee's mindset is like, is there any reason why I can't give this? And he, it's like he's he's looked so closely for any possible reason when really 
you'd I, I watched that replay four, five, six times, and I'm not certain that there was a clear touch off Matty Cash's thigh. He's seen it. He's given it. Bad start. Only got worse from there. <laughs> um, we'll talk I about think the we goal. Mention, mention yeah. Danny Ings' bit of skill on Douglas Louise because that was sublime. That was genuinely that was, sublime. That was top that draw. Was, that was Tekkers. That was Tekkers, yeah. Um, but we'll talk about the goal next before we get on to the... Um, Still struggling to come to terms with it, but the, the Ings disallowed goal. But we'll we'll come to that. Um, the defending for Barclays, what turned out to be the winner. Obviously, injury problems all over the pitch for Saints at the moment. No Kyle Walker-Peters, not sure whether he's going to be fit for Tuesday. Meant that Ward-Prowse was stuck in at right back. Now, we've seen him do a job before. Um, did very well up against Wilfried Zaha. He's played in that position before. With Romeo coming back into the side... It allowed Diallo and Romeo to play in the middle and Ward Prowse at right back. And I thought, I mean, he had an okay game. He did get caught out for the goal though, didn't he? He did. It's a, it's a difficult one with Ward Prowse because everyone, know, everyone knows that he can do a job at right back. But I do think we miss him massively when he's not in midfield. And he's one of those players that you can rely on putting a decent shift in at right back because, you know, he's the captain. He's always going to put in 100%. But you saw from that goal that he's that's not his position. He's got drawn to the ball when Jack Grealish has just kind of dropped the shoulder, fainted and then gone. And this this spell without Kyle Walker-Peters, everyone knows how important he's been this season. But I think it's just been emphasised you know, even more yeah. how important he is to our team because we look so much weaker defensively without him. And, you know, for, for Jan Valery not to not to start and not even to come on when we had, you know, injury issues and for Gineppo to fill in at right back just shows the confidence that that Ralph has in him. So I'm sure we're going to go on to transfers because obviously it's the deadline tomorrow, but we def- definitely need to sort that out because Ward Prowse isn't the answer at right back, especially when you're coming up against wingers like Jack Grealish. He had the toughest, he had the toughest assignment on the pitch. I mean, Grealish mm. is one, he's their best player and, and at the moment he's one of the best players in the Premier League. Um, he... He's a sort of player that I I really do enjoy watching. Like I hope that he gets a, a good crack for England, if, whether or not the Euros um, happen this summer. Um, I do enjoy watching him play. Unfortunately, he was up against us, um, and which makes it difficult to enjoy. But he he does have a lovely way of carrying the ball, and and Will Prowse, yeah, is exceptionally difficult in that in that um, circumstances. And I thought he did okay. I mean, on Valerie. Ralph just doesn't see him as a right back anymore. I don't think he trusts him defensively. That's the problem. He's come on a couple of times, hasn't he? Since his kind of return, like reintroduction to the first team, and, and both times he's come on in a more advanced role. I don't think Ralph trusts him at the back. I think he's. I think he thinks that he's a he's a mistake wait, waiting to happen, and he trusts Ward Prowse to fill in there more than he would trust Valerie um, to not drop a clanger. Yeah, I, I don't think Valerie's done too bad yep. in the in the few games that he's come in yep. recently but like you said he just doesn't trust him defensively but I I personally thought that it was the wrong decision to bring Gineppo on at right back especially like we said against Jack Grealish you want to put in someone with a little bit more tactical experience at fullback um, yeah. so yeah I, I wasn't massively in agreement with that but anyway now of the three VAR decisions are kind of the the forgotten one almost or the one that we'd not people weren't really discussing too much during the game was the Romeo foul on Martinez, the Villa goalkeeper. Uh, I'm not sure what the coverage was like in the UK. In the US, they did say that they, they had a VAR check for that because Romeo did stick it in the net. So um, 
Dean checked it and was happy to agree with Mason's decision that it was a foul on a goalkeeper. As I said at the time on Twitter, goalkeepers just get those decisions. Like it's extremely frustrating um, when you're on the when you're on the other end of it. Unfortunately, keepers just get those decisions. But there was like so minimal contact. Martinez just dropped it under the slightest bit of pressure. And it it wasn't a foul. I mean, it's not a foul in any other interaction on the football pitch. Yeah, they didn't make much of it on on Sky Sports. They didn't talk about it too much. But like you said, it's it's shambolic when you see free kicks given for stuff like that. So soft, but it's it's not just in our games. It's in every single game across the league that any slight touch on the keeper is given a foul now. And yeah, yeah, it has changed massively in recent years. But that is just the Premier League nowadays, isn't it? It's one of those ones. I think if Mason hadn't given a foul, they would not have overturned it. Mm. I don't think Mike Dean would have looked, oh, God knows actually what's going <laughs> through Mike Dean's head. Maybe he would have done. Um, but it's one of those I don't think they would overturn. Um, before we get onto the Ings one, let's talk about the goal scoring problems. And for me, it kind of seems like, well, we, we know Danny Ings is our best goal scorer. He's our best creative outlet as well. Um, unfortunately, he can't be on the end of his own passes. Um, and I think that's kind of what, what was happening a little bit. We didn't have a shot on target until the 70th minute. We did end up with 20 shots on total and we were kind of peppering it towards the last 10 minutes or so. But for those first kind of 60, 70 minutes, it was a frustrating watch, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, obviously Walcott got the nod up front over Shea Adams, didn't he? Which I personally would have dropped Phil Walcott for that game yesterday. I think he's been, his form's dipped a little bit. Um, but I think Shea Adams equally probably needed a rest. He's looked pretty shattered in recent games, so it was a tough one. But um, yeah, it was just like you said, we, the ideal situation would be to have two Danny Ings. The perfect example is Shea Adams' chance where Danny Ings thread him through. Fantastic we, ball. yeah, Fantastic ball. And if that's Danny Ings, that's left foot into the, into the far corner. But with Shea Adams in the form that he's in at the moment, he's tried to hit it with the outside of his right foot. It wasn't a bad effort. It wasn't a bad effort. It was a good save, but you'd want Danny Ings on that. But like you said, his game now, he, he has to drop deep to get the ball. He has to find that space in between midfield and, mm-hmm. and defence to try and get the ball. And, you know, he's obviously going to be finding those passes to the likes of Shea Adams and Theo Walcott. And you have to be, you know, those kind of players have to be taking those chances at the end of the day. I think um, where the person that we're missing in defence and attack is Yannick Vestergaard. Um, we spoke to Dan Sheldon about it on, on episode 47. Vestergaard's ability on the ball opens up our game so much and Jack Stevens isn't bad on, isn't bad on the ball but he's nowhere near as good as Yannick in terms of stepping up Yannick commits that first opposition player and then we can pop some passes around and the pitch just opens up he can also find Walker Peters with those kind of raking diagonal balls that mm. again create opportunities for us and and that's just completely disappeared from our game with with Yannick being out and obviously now with Walker Peters being out for the couple of games recently. That's just that that attacking outlet that was our most promising um, way of scoring goals has just completely disappeared. And now we're we're back to looking kind of how we looked when we were struggling against mid to lower table teams at home when it, it we didn't really ever look like scoring and it was really kind of just knocking the ball around at the back quite slow one pace, didn't really threaten. That's how we kind of looked yesterday for 60, 70 minutes. We ended up, they sat, they sank back and we ended up putting them under a bit of pressure. You mentioned that Adam's chance. 
there was that situation where I think Bednarak header saved by Martinez and then two shots cleared off the line, one from Adams and one from Stevens. It was just like stuff like that happens and you just think it's not going to be your day, don't you? Mm, exactly, exactly. That that particular chance there um, just summed it up, didn't it? Just like the ball wasn't going in the back of the net. How concerned are you about the lack of goals? As I mentioned, it's three now in eight for Saints. Um, we are really, really, really reliant on set pieces and Will yeah. Prowse for goals, whether that's direct free kicks or corners or deliveries from from wide. We are really, really reliant on him for for, for goals. And, and how concerned are you about that? Very concerned. Very concerned. I think they've dried up all over the pitch. Stuart Armstrong's a player that I think's upped his game in recent weeks and you know fills me with a lot of confidence going into the game at Old Trafford and going to St James's Park on the weekend. I think he you know creates a lot of chances, but Danny Ings is, is struggling a little bit to, to find that bit of form in front of goal and to find those. It's not really the it's not really his finishing, but it's just finding the areas it seems to be he's not he's not getting in the, the areas and getting the space that he was especially at the back end of last season and Shea Adams great start to the season but again seems like his confidence has been knocked a little bit in recent weeks when he's missing a few chances and snatching at chances so I think it really is a worry and even more so the fact that you know we're going to potentially be without Theo Walcott for a bit of time um, one positive, I would say, divides opinion, but Nathan Redmond coming back in, he had a few good chances and a couple with his left foot that were blocked from the defender, but getting in good areas and, you know, I think people do forget quite easily. I think it was in the 17-18 or maybe the 16-17 season, he was, you know, up there with our top goal scorers, wasn't he? Yeah. Nearly double figures. Nearly double all. figures, yeah. So I think if we get him, you know, in regular run of games which I think he's going to have to get because we don't have any only choice at the moment and he's a he's a potential goal scorer that we really need at the moment yeah if if Walcott is out for a period of time um, it's well timed in the sense of Redmond and Gineppo coming back that is one one small positive I guess what I would say on the goal scoring front is it's just it's kind of Villa away was a complete opposite just in terms of everything we we did came off. We mm. went four 0 up against them. Every every shot we had went in, and now we've just played them on Saturday. And and every shot we had, it, it just looked like we could have played for another ninety minutes and not scored against them. That's just a, we've gone from being the most efficient team in front of goal to to being one of the least efficient. And and that just comes down to there's a little bit of luck and random variation in that, but there's a little bit of I kind of think a loss of confidence in some of our some of our forward options, as as you said, and they're now snatching at chances. And injuries. I think I've already mentioned yeah. it. I think the impact that the absence of Vestergaard and Walker-Peters has, you can't really understate that. Even though they're both defenders, you can't underestimate the impact that that has on our attacking build-up and our attacking play. And then the, the opportunities that are created for Adams and Ings. Exactly. You see the same same happening with Liverpool, don't you? With missing out their two key defenders and people would say, why are the front three not firing? But, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the centre-backs are the one that build the attacks, aren't they? They find the, they find the first pass that kind of breaks the, the line. So it's the same for Southampton, missing Vestergaard and Walker-Peters, crucial players. And you, you wouldn't think that they would have that much of an impact in the final third, but they do. They do, yeah. Let's get on to it then. The Ings disallowed goal that literally had me uh, in, in bits. <laughs> um, shambles is there is there much to add on it I mean, it's just an absolute shambles I mean you were your tweet I think summed it up quite nicely after the game it's just like this isn't this isn't the football 
that we enjoy mm. watching. When you score a last minute equaliser or a last minute winner, whatever it may be, and it goes to VAR. And when it first went to VAR, I thought, oh, he's on, he's on, like, as, as it happens frequently with VAR, you think he's, he's on side. And then those treaded lines <laughs> get dragged across the screen. And even then, I mean, it's completely arbitrary where you pick on the player to put that line. And also it's completely arbitrary when you decide to create a freeze frame when the ball has left the person's foot that had the shot. Um, Amazon Prime put up a tweet with the ball and it was like blurred. And it's like, there's not, you can't get the exact moment when the ball has left that person's boot. Like you, the technology is not good enough. So that's arbitrary when Mike Dean's decided to press pause on, well, I can't remember who had the shot initially. Who was it? I think it was Ryan Bertrand. Bertrand. When Bertrand's shot has left his foot and where on Danny Ings you pick to decide that this is the furthest forward goal-scoring part of his body. It seemed to be the shirt sleeve, which I haven't seen many people score a goal with their shirt sleeve. Um, <laughs> but that seemed to be what he what he picked. And obviously, Matty Cash's backside is just not quite big enough. Oh, I know. I know. It is infuriating. I was, it was interesting to hear Ralph speak about it. And he was kind of, well, kept his head a little bit more than a lot of Saints fans and saying that he doesn't mind VAR because it is you know, either onside or offside and we get them sometimes and we don't get them sometimes. And that was his view on it. And I do understand that because like it does happen throughout the season. You do get those kind of calls and it's just which side of the line your players on. But it is, it is infuriating having those kind of decisions. This one was slightly different because the lino did have his flag up. Yeah. So it was immediately yeah. straight after the goal, it was immediately offside and then they checked it. Um, rather than us scoring pure celebration and then it to be looked at again. Um, but yeah, exactly like you said, it's just where they pause it. Like us, that screenshot, There's the, the ball's in like three different positions in yeah. terms of the blur. You don't know when he's actually kicking the ball. You're drawing that line and I'm not anti-VAR at all. I think we could have another whole bloody podcast about VAR, but I'm not anti-VAR at all. But it seems like in those situations where the technology isn't at a stage where you can be crystal clear, you have to use an element of human, yeah. just seeing it from from the way everyone else is looking at it and say, that's not offside enough to give it. You can't right. say, I think there has to be a level of human um, you know, decision-making in it and you can have the line to help you, but you shouldn't use that as the defining factor and say offside, onside. They do it well in rugby, I think, with like forward passes where they look at it and they say, no, I don't think that looks forward. And there's clear communication. Yeah. And you kind of, you kind they of educate They don't bring the rulers out, do they? They don't bring the rulers out. And I think that helps to educate people at the same time. But just because there's Mike Dean sat in a box in Stockley Park just getting his ruler out, that's what makes it even more. It's, the, sa it's the same in, I've had this debate on when it, this is the first time it's properly happened to Saints, but like they do it well in, in cricket um, in terms of like this umpire's decision. Wherever it, when it's too close to call on LBW. And ultimately, the technology does not, if it's clear cut, the technology makes a decision out or not out. But if it's close, they'll stick with whatever the umpire decided at the time. Um, that's one way of doing it. Now, people say, can say, like, you're either offside or you're, or you're not. Well, you're either out LBW or you're not as well. Like, mm. it's the same principle. And there is an element of doubt created by the technology not being good enough that I think you still need that ability to have 
the chance to stick with what the referee did, said. And in this case, the referee gave offside. So if in this hypothetical situation, it would have not counted fine. Exactly. Which is strange that the referees have, well, assistant referees have been told not to flag in this situation to allow VAR to make the final decision for them, which I think, again, is the wrong way of going about it. But it is odd that the Lino was, he obviously was very, very sure that Ings was offside. Um, and looking back on it, I don't know how he could be sure because it was about, it was a millimetre in it. <laughs> I know. And, and I think they, for me, what it boils down to is that we look at VAR at the moment in football as trying to get the perfect decision and try to get the exact right decision, but it shouldn't be looked at it like that. I think it should help the referees and it should inform decisions, but it shouldn't be the, we're getting a line out and, oh, look, the black armband that the player's wearing is slightly over the line, so he's offside. That shouldn't decide goals or not. Absolutely. Well, it's absolute shite. And now we can move on. <laughs> exactly. Let's move on to... Well, let's discuss... Tuesday night. Let's discuss Tuesday night um, because, as I mentioned, far from ideal with the amount of injuries we have, we haven't had a full rundown from Ralph on who's going to be available and who's not. One thing he did say was because of the current state of our squad, Alex Jankovic is in contention to start potentially in central midfield against Paul Pogba, Scott McTominay, Fred and the rest of the Old Trafford squad. So it's a quite a um, a turnaround from earlier in the week handing in a transfer request, all of a sudden going fast forward three, four, five days and now he's our starting central midfielder <laughs> in one of the toughest, toughest games of the season. But that's how quickly things can change. Yeah, especially in this season, everything's so condensed and the fix just schedule is so condensed just in terms of the league position a couple wins changes your complete season and a couple injuries changes your you know your starting 11 and like you said handing in a transfer request and now starting at Old Trafford is a huge huge turnaround I think it was interesting Ralph did say after the game um, you know we've got Jankovic and he's now the next young lad who steps up maybe he has to play against Manchester United from the beginning so he's already said he's already you know made it clear that he's definitely in in the thought for for Tuesday night and it depends obviously on how serious the injuries to Romeo and Diallo are but I think there is a player there isn't he got scholar of the season scholar of the year last season Mm -hmm. Um, we had Tyreka Johnson on the podcast didn't we Um, a few months back and he picked him out as his one to watch so in terms of Samson's youngsters um, he's the most you know talked about and he's got the most potential just on paper Swiss under 21 international so which I'm is why for, watch. which for me is, is why it's so odd that of all of the first of all of the academy players that Ralph has brought into the first team and given minutes to he's not been one of them mm. like that's just odd to me like we've we've had so many injuries and so many opportunities for different players um to come into the picture and he's not really been one of them which Again, I tweeted before the game, I thought it was interesting that he handed in a transfer request and still was on the bench on Saturday. I thought that was interesting. And there was some talk that he's handed in a transfer request and now he's going to be starting and he's kind of not bullied the club into doing it, but he's like forcing the club to play him in in a way. But Mm. it seems to me more that it's just a function of our squad and injuries to Romeo and injuries to Diallo have just bumped him up the pecking order and now he's got that opportunity yeah I think handing him the transfer request was almost just like a a reminder to the club that 
He's has been linked to a lot of big clubs in the past. He's, you know, he plays in the youth setup for his in, for his country, and he's not getting a look in at the moment. And I think Southampton, just from the reaction, putting him in the squad. I know we've had a lot of injuries, but we did put him in the squad against against Villa. Um, we don't want to lose him. I think yeah. that's how that's the way I read it. You know, he's been at the club since 2018, not very long. He hasn't had many opportunities, so I think it's clear that the club don't want to lose him. And like you said, we might have been bullied into it slightly, but needs must in this. Needs must, I think. I don't, I don't think. I, I just some people have said that. Oh, like eyebrows raised that now he's going to be starting. When a week ago he's handed in his transfer request. It's like we've reacted to him handing in a transfer request by rewarding him with football, which I don't think is really what has happened. I think it's more the injuries. I think it's going to be a big test of his mindset because a week ago he would have been thinking, "I'm done at Saints." Well, that would have been the implication of handing in a transfer request. And now he's and facing now, Paul Pogba. Now he's up against Paul Pogba on a Tuesday night in the Premier League. It's a ridiculous test, that isn't it? When you actually think about it, this lad who's only played youth team football might go play against those players that you named before. Like that is a huge step up that you can't even comprehend. Yeah, big test. Be interesting to see if he starts. Um, I think it all ultimately depends on. Well, more prowls is now going to be playing back in central midfield, assuming that Romeo and Diallo are out. Fingers crossed on Walker-Peters fitness so he can plug back in at right back. Otherwise, we're looking at Valerie there, I think, and Jankovic in the middle with with James Ward-Prowse. But as I said, that's all caveated by the fact that we don't have any up-to-date information on on the injuries. Mike Dean, back, apparently, refereeing us on, on Tuesday. That's good. You looking forward to that? Can't wait. <laughs> I thought that was a joke when we got we got tweeted that, didn't we, saying he was referee on Tuesday night? I thought that was actually a joke, but it's true. I'm, I'm sure Bruno Fernandes practices penalties almost every day, but I'd just have a word with him that he's going to be getting a couple, I think, on Tuesday. <laughs> two, two at least. Put your mortgage on it. Yeah, exactly. Finally then, before we, before we wrap up, it is transfer deadline day on Monday. It's been one of the quietest deadline days, not just for Saints, but just generally like in football for a long, long, long time. And obviously that is partly due to, or, or largely due to lots of clubs having no money. Ralph kindly telling the world on Saturday that we have no money. Um, but there is speculation that we will be adding Arsenal defender Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Now, the latest information that we have as of Sunday night is that he's decided between Saints and Leicester. So by the time you listen to this, he may have made his decision. We both agree, Jack, I think that he is the best option for us that we've seen. And and we, we're in a position where we just need warm bodies, but he is actually one that could improve the squad um, and not just be kind of an extra face on the bench. Yeah, I mean, sending Jake Vokins out on loan to Sunderland just highlights the fact that we have to bring someone in tomorrow. If it's not Ainsley Maitland-Niles and he does choose Leicester, which would be you know, very disappointing, we have to bring someone else in because we'd be leaving ourselves ridiculously exposed. I think the, what I read today is that he's choosing between Leicester and Southampton. Leicester see him as a midfielder, which I think is what he sees himself. So I think he'd be more attracted to that because there's been a, you know, you speak to Arsenal fans and he doesn't really like playing fullback and he wants to solidify that midfield position. However, also in that article was um, was the fact that they want to loan Arsenal want to loan out Joe Willock as a midfielder and Ainsley Maitland-Niles as a fullback, which does bode well for us. So, and also the fact that Leicester are kind of more competing potentially for those European spots, yeah. maybe along with Arsenal, they don't want to strengthen a rival. So hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, he chooses us because 
like you tweeted out the other day, versatility is what you put hand in hand with Ainsley Maitland-Niles, isn't it, the word? So, and that's what we need at the moment. We need someone that can fill in for Bertram when he's suspended, for Walker-Peters when he's injured and for Diallo when he's injured. So I think he ticks all three boxes. That's what I was going to say, actually. In terms of the Arsenal wanting one thing, the player wanting another, well, you get best of both at Saints because we're desperate for players all across the pitch so he can play. <laughs> there's, so, there's lots of different positions that he can play. He could play right back, he could play midfield. Um, he'd start in both positions, I think, on Tuesday, um, unless we get some good news on, on Walker Peters or Romeo. So, yeah, fingers crossed. I mean, he's been in the England setup, so he's a good player. He's not had much of a look in at Arsenal, which is surprising. Uh, I think he is out of contract, not at the end of the season, but the end of next season. There was talk about Leicester being interested in a in a clause where they could make it permanent if he performs well. Obviously, we've had success with that doing that with Walker-Peters. Similar sort of player in the sense of kind of a talented, young, English fullback slash midfielder, but being at a big club or a Champions League club, not really getting a look in. We've had success there bringing Walker-Peters in. I'd, I'd like to see us bring Maitland-Niles in um, on a similar arrangement. Similar age as well. The, the past that... Past that age where you're 18, 19, 20, where you're looking for experience, he's got experience now and his career needs to kick on like Walker Peters' career needs to kick on. Um, but yeah, I think he's, when you speak to Arsenal fans, he's he was always one of their most promising and he was brilliant in their FA Cup run last season. So I don't think they want to see him go. They just want to see him play more football. And I think a word for for Big Sam, because West Brom were leading the, uh, leading the run into signing and... I just think Arsenal would probably look at that move sending out to West Brom and thinking what yeah. kind of what kind of development is he going to get there. So fingers crossed tomorrow we'll get some good news and bring him in. If, if he had if he had picked, I know it was now it's between Leicester and Saints, but if he had picked West Brom over Saints, that would have just topped off the weekend. <laughs> that would have just summed up the whole weekend. We just need to start again. Um, but Jack, thank you very much for joining me. We will chat again after the United game on Tuesday. Um, three we're currently on a run of three straight defeats unfortunately this is going to be another very very tough test um, but fingers crossed we can we can get a result at Old Trafford and have a slightly more positive podcast definitely it's a good time to play them so fingers True. crossed at the Saints we'll speak on Tuesday speak then. Um.